Hey, what's up? Hello. Welcome to Sounds Fake But Okay, a podcast where an arrow ace girl, I'm Sarah, that's me. And the bi demisexual girl, that's me, Kayla. And Michelle Kirichanskaya, I'm a sexual journalist. Talk about all things to do with love, relationships, sexuality, and pretty much anything else we just don't understand. On today's episode, Ace Notes. Sounds, Sounds fake, fake, but okay. okay. Welcome back to the pod. Hello. Hope everyone is doing good. Hope everyone is hanging in there. We have a guest on this week, so I think we we're do. just going to dive right in. Um, yeah. Unless we have any housekeeping, Kayla, that we need to hit. Mm, we're doing no. an event in D.C., so come if you're there. Come, t- come to the event in D.C. Yes. Buy our book and also... By Michelle. Speaking of books. <laughs> yes. Today we have on Michelle to talk about Ace Notes. Wait, what's the subtitle? Okay, yes. Ace Notes Tips and Tricks on Existing in an Aloe World. I'm very bad at remembering subtitles. So I have to make sure I got it right. <laughs> she doesn't remember our own subtitle, and neither do I. No, so. no, no. Cool, cool. <laughs> Don't. Cool. Michelle, welcome on. Thank you for being on today. Thank you for having me. Awesome. So, yeah, today, obviously, we're here to talk about Michelle's book. Ace Notes. Michelle is another book sibling of ours with Jessica Kingsley. Um, So you just want to start by giving like a little introduction to who you are? Sure. So as I mentioned earlier, I'm an asexual journalist and writer. Um, I am also Jewish American. Um, I am a graduate of the New School MFA program and Hunter College. And I've been writing about ace and queer issues for nearly. Wow. That's very impressive. For nearly how long? Sorry, it cut out. I didn't get the last part. Uh, for nearly a decade. So wow. about when I was 16. Look at you go. I know, I'm so, that's so <laughs> impressive not to burn out after that long. Yeah, I actually started work. getting to like um, journalism in college, but I started writing for like um, a teen website when I was in high school. So I guess like it's, it's like a slow evolution. Yeah, I feel like that's the way to do it, though. Yeah. <laughs> And you're here today because you have a book, Ace Notes. Uh, yes, so do you want to do you want to give our listeners just a quick intro to what the book is and you know why they should buy it? Sure. So Ace Notes is basically what I and probably my publishing team would describe as a nonfiction guide on asexuality, kind of like the one ones and going beyond the one ones because I was tired of every article saying, oh, asexuality is this and that. Like it's the, the orientation defined by a lack of sexual attraction. And I wanted a book where there was more information beyond that. Yeah, I would say it meets that 100%. As I was reading it, you kind of mentioned at the beginning of the book, you know, over the years, you've had to kind of scour online to find all of the information of asexuality, and you wanted to put it all in one place. And as I was reading it, I would just kept being struck again and again about how true that was. I wrote down in my notes, I was like, I could see myself coming to back to this book, like months later, years <laughs> later, just coming back to it again and again as a resource, not just as a one-time read, because there was just so much helpful information in there. So you definitely, I think, met what you set out to do. <laughs> Thank you. I'm flattered. <laughs> yeah, it was really amazing. I, I was just going to start by asking, you know, 
how did you decide on the the setup and the format of the book? Because you have, you know, you have chapters that I think are what like a traditional like 101 and beyond a 101 but you also have like interviews and short interludes and like resources and that sort of thing so how did you decide on that setup I think I was making up as I went along honestly (laughs) (laughs) um well I originally provided the book proposal to my editor at just with Kingsley Publishers um the basically the guide as I mentioned and so after that was signed off, I just kind of developed it as I went along. I, I wanted to like pull the topics that were resting in my head and that I thought maybe other people would be curious about and putting those on the page as well as pulling from old articles that were previously published. And for the list interviews, I, I knew that people would want further resources upon finishing my book because like aces are curious and they always want to learn more. And for the interviews, I thought I don't want my perspective on aces to be the only one featured in this book. So having the interviews with other aces was monumental to the process. Yeah, I really enjoyed those pieces of the book. It's so interesting to me that like all of the A-spec books that have come out recently really have relied a lot upon not just the author's perspective, but other people in the community's perspective, um, whether you do that through interviews or through like some sort of survey or something. And I, I just think that's so interesting because I think it says a lot about aspects about how we we want people to have an expansive understanding of what can be and we don't want to limit it to ourselves. Um, and I think the, the way you do it in your book is just another prime example of that. Thanks. I appreciate you saying that. And to just like jump off on that point, I think our only representation of aceness for a long time was Todd Chavez from Bojack Horseman. And just like Todd is great, but he's just like looks like only one type of ace person. And he's, despite the last name, a straight white cis guy. Mm-hmm. Well, straight in the fact that he's hetero romantic, but not straight right. in the fact that he's like allonormative. Right. But you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was so great because, yeah, your interviews are with such different people of different backgrounds and races and abilities. Um, So it's really cool to get that kind of wide view. And it's really nice because if people are familiar with our book, they know that we just kind of pull quotes and have them throughout our book. But you have full interviews where you see it's kind of like a transcript. If you were to read the transcript of this podcast, you can see you and the person talking. And it just felt so much more in depth and like you were kind of listening to someone's conversation or reading it, I guess. But it was a really cool way to do it, I thought. Thanks. So I do have some years of experience as a journalist interviewing people. Um, oftentimes I've done it through email, but I found that doing it um, where I'm able to talk back and forth with the interviewee makes it a little more personal, like we're able to feed off each other's ideas. And I kind of wanted the interviews in the book to be more of a conversation rather than just like a one-sided discussion. Yeah, 100%. Speaking of the interviews, with I think almost all the interviews, you had kind of like an illustration or a cartoon of the person you were interviewing. And there's some pictures of you throughout the book and other people how did you come to that decision to include kind of illustrations throughout the book? Well, I think I'm definitely a fan of visual media. Like I love cartoons and like beautiful images. And just like I thought if I can get the opportunity to do illustrations in the book, which my publisher luck- thankfully signed off of, I wanted to hire an ace illustrator, which I actually did through a connection I found at Anime NYC. Oh, that's so cool. Amazing. Yeah. 
Who who did the illustrations? Oh yeah, that's a good question. I believe the author's name is pronounced Ashley Maysock. So they are mm-hmm. a freelance illustrator and they are amazing. So anyone looking to hire an illustrator, please look at Ashley's work. Yeah, the I pictures are really beautiful. And it's so cool because you can see that representation too. It makes it, like you said, much more visual. You're not just reading about ASOX. You can see like, oh, this is what they look like. They're real people just like me. And it kind of makes it more relatable. Exactly. That's kind of what I was going for. Like, I didn't want the only image of an ace person and someone said to be someone who was white, someone who was like, non-disabled. I wanted to have like, someone to point out the picture, say, Oh, I kind of recognize this person in myself. So like, it's not so foreign to me or alien to me. Getting into like, we're talking about kind of the book structure and everything, but getting into the content of the book. Um, I wanted to talk about the section that you did about sex because I really enjoyed the way you wrote about it. I think it was written really differently and like it was just such a fresh perspective on sex opposed to what we usually see about sex in asexual spaces. So I just want to kind of talk about like how you decided what to write, like how um, you kind of like gathered resources for that section, what your thought process was. Okay. So I think I just, my first thought was I wanted to be as careful as possible when doing this. I added the caveat. I was not a sex educator in the book. So yeah. anyone may now could take that into consideration. But basically, I kind of wanted to just like gather the useful information that I gleaned through ACE friendly sex positive resources, the ones that don't shut us out and don't like deny our existence, so to speak. So I was thinking, what do I want? What did I want that was not mentioned in sex education in my days to be put into the book? Yeah. And that's basically how I went about it. Yeah, because I think what I've seen so much about even ASPECs talking about sex and educating about sex is I think it just honestly doesn't happen a lot because even within the community, there's kind of this assumption that everyone is, you know, sex averse or sex repulsed. We don't talk about sex, like not sex positive. What's the word? Favorable? Yes. Yeah. We don't talk about the sex favorable ASPECs as much. And so I really liked that you had like a full robust section on sex and you had tips about like, here's what makes sex good and safe. You were like, lube is your friend. Like, look at these things. I was like, I was just so pleased that tips on how how to have sex was in a resource for A-Specs because I think often A-Specs aren't given that because people assume we don't need it, which is just not true at all. So I really enjoyed that it was there for the people that do want it and do need it. Yeah. A few of my friends are more sex favorable, as you might say. So I thought that if I didn't include such a resource, it would be ignoring their existence, which I didn't think was fair. Um, A lot of ACEs, as it should be, exist on a spectrum. So they have different attitudes towards sex and sexual experiences. So if they want to like experiment with such, such experiences, they need the safety and they need the knowledge of how to do so. Yeah. Yeah. Which you know, sex ed basically doesn't exist in this country. So it's hard to get that. So yeah, I really enjoyed that it was there. And I think it means more when it's coming from the A-spec community, coming from someone who is A-spec. And, you know, because I feel like often when people do talk about sex favorable A-specs, they're just like, oh yeah. And then there are also these people who do it for these reasons. And then if, if you're one of those people, like there are other resources for you elsewhere. But it's like, 
to like to bring the resources to them and be like, hey, this is a part of asexuality. Uh, and, you know, here is what what we can give you and kind of invite you into this conversation rather than saying, oh, to talk about this, you have to go somewhere else, I think is also just a, a kind of a meaningful way to 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 discuss these things. Yeah. And I think whether you're spec or not, there's always some kind of curiosity around sex itself because of how much our society obsesses with it. And so in terms of that, I wanted there to be the sense that sex wasn't an evil thing. It wasn't a dirty thing. And if you do engage with it, it doesn't make you more or less wrong as a person or more or less legit as an ace person. And so if anyone reading the book was looking to have that or had already had that, I didn't want them to feel isolated by my words and saying like, oh, you don't, you're not valid because you've already had sex or you want to have sex. Yeah, absolutely. And you have a kind of a whole chapter on that mentality too, about kind of the gold star asexual, um, which I am really glad you included too, because it's kind of that mentality too of like, yeah, you can have sex, you can be disabled, you can be super young, and you are still asexual. You don't have to have never have had sex or anything like that, kind of just talking about how stupid really the idea of a gold star asexual is. Yeah, it's just a really gatekeeping concept. I've been hurt by it before, and I've known others who've been hurt by it before. And I just like, let's cut the bullshit. If you're a person with the ability to think and process these things about yourself, then you already have the autonomy to say, this is who I am. Please don't fight me about that. Yeah, especially from within the community. Right. And for a community that's so often gate kept out of other queer spaces, it's so silly to me that we would then gate keep other people out of our spaces. Like what what is the purpose of that? There is none. <laughs> yeah, it's like why did the gold star lesbian thing even happen about? Like if you're talking if you're a sapphic woman existing in a patriarchal world where you're literally pressured to be with men, then of course a lot of lesbians are going to have at relationships with men that doesn't make them less of who they are it just means that they were pressured to not be who they are yeah it's the same thing as you know like that compulsory heterosexuality it's the same thing with amatonormativity and allonormativity it's like yeah it's hard to get on in the world and realize your aspec early enough i know it's becoming easier and easier for people to get resources when they're younger but like if you have to wait until you're 50 to figure out then like that's not your fault Exactly. Kind of going back to the section on sex, I think it was towards the end of that section, you had a chapter about fan fiction and kind of talking about (laughs) um, like the eroticism (laughs) and just kind of like the potential that fan fiction has. And Sarah and I are both huge fans of fan fiction. We've talked about it on the show several times. Um, So I just wanted to talk about that both We both made notes that were just like, we love fan fiction. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. People are... I feel like people are going to really latch on to that one. It's so good. Out of all all the sections of the book. Well, it's just so relatable. Thanks. Well, I I figure I'm a nerd and fan fiction has given me comfort. Not necessarily sexual comfort, mind you. It just like it's given my brain like a mental break Mm -hmm. from just like engaging in whether it's academic world or like the professional world. And like, here's a safe space that a lot of queer writers engage in to reconstruct and deconstruct heteronormative, cisnormative media and give us the representation that we want and crave. So why not talk about it? 
Yeah, absolutely. Because as we all know, when you talk about throughout the book, there's such a lack of A-spec representation in media, and especially a lack of diverse A-spec representation. But the point you kind of make in the book is like, well, there's like this homemade, you know, media that people aren't making for a profit. They're making it because they actually want to, and this is what they want to see. Um, So yeah, it's a really great place to see queer representation. Yeah, 100%. We've talked about on the show before how there's like a disproportionate amount of A-spec writers of fan fiction that write smut and how often A-spec people are like the best smut writers. So I think it's just like such a funny, I don't know. A-specs are just good at everything. What are you going to do? I mean, we are very creative people, so. Yeah, it's it's an interesting way, I think, an interesting venue for a lot of A-spec people to as you mentioned in the chapter, kind of explore certain aspects of sexuality that they might not be comfortable doing in person um, in real life. And I think I just, I I would read entire books about like a specs and fan fiction. Like I just, it's so interesting to me. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of like a virtual reality game, so to speak. Like yeah. your, your physical body is not in danger. And if you're uncomfortable with a situation, you, you can just close, close the tab, the tab. and read something else. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So we've talked about that with that kind of possibility with Dungeons and Dragons in the past of how it kind of gives you this very safe way of exploring your identity and your sexuality through this kind of like role playing scenario. And I think fan fiction is a very similar, you know, you can read about A-spec characters and kind of like try how that feels for you and kind of, you know, explore it from the safety of like your little computer without having to go out into the scary world. When you're reading fan fiction, you're reading about characters you already love. So when a writer had Ken and Sam as asexual, like, oh, this is a character that I love and they represent something about me. So maybe I'm able to love that part of myself a little bit more. Yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. And you hear stories, too, about people. I mean, people joke about, like, discovering kinks through through reading fan fiction and being like, oh, wait. But I think the <laughs> same thing absolutely happens with learning about asexuality and aspec identities. You know, if when you have that representation in fic... And someone reads it and they're like, oh, wait, shit, that's me. Like, that's that's <laughs> another way to to introduce people to this world. Um, and I think it's often so well done because it's often done by people who are in the community who are reflecting, you know, their own genuine experiences uh, in the fictionalized worlds they're creating. Exactly. And um, I can't remember the name of this fan fiction writer, but they have a type called Non-Sexual Intimacy Makes Me Go Feral. Basically, it's like slice of life um, moments between these two characters from a series, and I and I'm just like I eat it up. Yeah, (laughs) because it's like so soft and tender, and it's just like it's it's healing. I I guess. Yeah, it's very sweet. I love fan fiction. I hope I took a whole class about fan fiction and fandom in college, so I could talk about this forever. (laughs) But alas, that is not the only class in your book. Alas, this is not a fan fiction podcast. So what are you going to do? Maybe another conversation. True. We can, we'll bring it back. Another episode. Yeah. Um, I, something I noticed as I was reading was the, I appreciate how much the book references and interacts with and puts itself in the context of other literature, especially queer literature. So was that an intentional choice? How did you decide what you wanted to include and engage with in the text of the book? Well, basically, I just reference other writers who made 
similar points to what I was making, um, using their words to, I guess, strengthen my point. And honestly, I think that I identify aceness as a part of queerness, though mm-hmm. they don't seem like separate topics to me, even though they might be for others. So it just felt like a natural way to just in- include the fact that, include that point of aceness isn't, isn't separate from queerness. It, it's a part of it. it it's like a, just a natural point of it. Yeah, I think it really reinforces that that fact that aceness is is queer. And by putting it into conversation with these other queer writers and these, you know, queer literature, like you're you're kind of also casually like reinforcing that for other people, which is nice. It's just a little secret, little secret, not brainwashing because it's not brainwashing, it's just the truth. But you know, yeah, yeah I think I, I think there, someone once made this point, like they're like to queer a text or to use queer as a verb. You're not making something explicitly gay or explicitly bi. You're queering a text as in you're diverging from the norm as in you're disrupting this normative idea that we had about something and breaking it apart in order for it to be more open and fluid. And so that's, I think, where my definition of queerness comes in and that it diverges from a quote-unquote straight path or a cis path. And it just means that we're just more fluid about the way we engage with the world. Yeah, absolutely. Snaps. (laughs) Queer that book. Um, it also just makes for a great reading list. Like looking at all of the literature that you referenced, I was like, oh, I want to go read that person's book. Like, it sounds like it slaps. Speaking of, we jumped right past the beginning of the book, but the foreword of the book <laughs> is written by David J. with Sarah and I both wrote in our notes. We were like, oh, what a slay forward. We were like, wow, what a catch getting David J. to forward your book. So just a good. shout out david was like so generous with providing the forward and i'm really glad that he did because i think it just like it really strengthened the book and it was nice having like an ace mentor uh, or an ace elder to like i know i know it's strange to call him an elder because he's not i know he's like yeah but he is like he's yeah. he's the og but yeah it was such a great start to the book of like setting the tone and he obviously is just like it was great writing so i was like uh so good did you did you just like ask him? Did you just yeah, say, "Hey, David"? Hey, David! Amazing. <laughs> exactly. Oh, what a pull! Really, all the aces involved in this book were so generous with their time and energy. So, like, props to them. Yeah, all of the interviews were so great, and they're also again such great people to like look up and look at their work yourself because they're all, um, like, you had like an actual sex educator who is ace back who was like a really i loved that interview there's like the yeah the interviews are great yeah that's actually thanks to angela chen who after i um they referred me to evian and said like this is a person that you want to talk to <laughs> and so just like having evian as like an interviewee was a great experience yeah yeah it was really great so that's the beginning of the book. But going to the back part of the book, kind Let's of the just last... just jump around. Nothing, nothing matters. Cares. <laughs> Listen, this is like book club. I'm just talking about the parts I liked most. This is Kayla's <laughs> book club. Welcome, everyone. Um, but the last section of the book is kind of all about religion and specifically how your asexuality 
intersects with your religion as a Jewish person. And I really wanted to touch on that section because I know we get requests to talk about religion on the show all the time, and we've not really been able to because we don't have like a lot of personal experience with that intersection. Um, so I really want to talk about that and why you ended up including it. You mentioned in the book that you originally weren't going to talk about it. So I just kind of want to hear your thought process and just talk all about that section because I loved it. Yeah. Okay. So on the religious thing, um, I knew I wanted to make a note of it. I just didn't expect it to be a whole section, <laughs> but it just kind of naturally evolved that way with like the amount of materials that I've written. Um, so to start off, I guess it was inspired by an article I written a few years back for a website called Heyama called Notes as a Jewish Ace. So talking about my experiences and in intersectionality being both an ace person and a Jewish person. And I thought, okay, other aces probably come from religious backgrounds too. And so maybe they want to talk about that intersection and maybe I can provide some foods for thought, like talking about my own experiences. So that's basically what I did. Yeah, sometimes you start writing and you're like, I can't stop. There's too much. This has to become a whole section. It, exactly. it, it takes control of you. You're not writing it. It's writing you. It's writing you. Yeah. It's also interesting because it, I'm still defining, I guess, my relationship to religion. My family didn't grow up practicing Judaism. So to speak. Like we always identified as Jewish, but if you, my family comes from from the former Soviet Union. So religion was a very complicated subject there. Um, you weren't exactly allowed to practice religion openly, otherwise you get persecuted, especially if you were a religious minority like my family was. And so in that sense, like I did not practice a lot of what you would be what someone, I guess, traditionally Jewish would do. And maybe that would make someone question if I'm religious enough. But in the sense, like, it's always been a very cultural thing to me. It's always been a very scholarly thing to me. Even if I have a complicated relationship with what God is, I can always say I believe in being Jewish. That is something I can tangibly hold on to. And so I thought, how does that affect my relationship with the world? Especially, that's been a bigger question with all the po politics that have been happening over the past few years. And so I've been more vocal about fighting against anti-Semitism in my work. And I guess I just wanted a space for that to be in the book. Yeah, absolutely. Which I really appreciated because I've seen conversations here and there online from like Catholic aces, Christian aces about, and you have an interview with a Christian ace kind of about their journey with religion. But I'd honestly never seen kind of conversations or notes from a Jewish ace person. So I was really excited to finally get that perspective so I could, you know, kind of understand more of that intersection. So I hope that you know, other non-Jewish aces have that same realization. You know, if you are Jewish, then you can like relate with it. But then for the rest of us, it's just really educational and helpful. Yeah. No, I think a few other Jewish aces also touched, the, the ones who reached out to me and the ones who talked about my article also mentioned like how, how, how kind of sucks that there's not more conversation on this. And actually I had a person all the way from Uruguay reach out to me because wow. of my article would say how cool it was to see someone who is Jewish and Jewish talk about this stuff. So I guess that just like shows the need for conversations like this in the first place. Yeah, you need that representation. And then hopefully future writers can reference your writing too as they, you know, expand mm -hmm. upon the subject. Yeah I, yeah, I would in general just love to see more perspectives from religious people who are non-Christian. I would love to have more Jewish experiences. I would love to see Muslim experiences. Like I, I want to know all the different experiences that really touch on all the intersectionality. So it's wonderful to see to see some of that in your book as well. 
Thanks. Yeah, because I think it, it's such a nuanced and complicated, even for like myself, I grew up Catholic. I'm not super, I don't practice now. It's been a long time since I've practiced. But it is really interesting to, for me to think about, you know, how growing up religious and going to church kind of affected my ideas of purity culture and what sex meant and what marriage meant. Um and I think with queerness in general, people people so often see queerness as at odds with religious. Like it's you can't be queer and still be practicing because so many institutions are just so queer phobic. So yeah. I just love that there are conversations about like, no, you can do both. Like, yeah, there's some really shitty parts of it, but there is a way to keep both of those parts of your life as, you know, keep those kind of identities that may seem at odds. You can have them both within yourself. Yeah, it's like people imagine religion as one circle and queerness as another circle. And, and there are people like me and Ellen who like exist in the Venn diagram. And so like, don't shut us out of the conversation, include us. Like, what peeps me so much about certain characters who've been adapted on screen, like um, Batwoman, is just like, she is a Jewish lesbian, but hardly anyone ever talks about the fact that she's Jewish. Like that part of her seems almost erased. So like, don't emphasize one thing and then completely say the other is knowledgeable. Like, don't erase us, you know? Yeah. I think it's so much, people find it easier to kind of make those separate circles or those boxes where people see religion is very conservative and bad. And then, you know, as a queer person, we're like, oh, yes, queerness, it's perfect. And so it's kind of like what you talk about in the book about the disabled community and the ASPEC community being at odds with one another and people who are in the middle kind of having you know, to pick a side or like not feeling okay with having both those identities. And we need to realize like, yeah, religion can be bad in a lot of ways, like everything can, but you can still be both and be like a great person and make it work. We can't just like take all of our religious aspects and shun them. As it turns out, nuance is a thing. Oh, can you imagine? <laughs> Absolutely wild how that happens. That's wild. Yeah. Also, I think like the 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 subject of nuance is just like a very Jewish idea in itself because we debate everything. Like we turn over every point in a conversation and just like, let's expand on this. Let's expand on this. We, I feel like I, that's one of the things I love about being Jewish or of Judaism is that it's a constant argument, which means like there's always going to be more information that can be found out and that can be learned. That feels so like it goes so well with, asexuality too i feel like the asexual community is a little bit similar where we're constantly questioning and coming up with new words and new definitions and kind of deciding you know is this like the best definition for the community so i feel like those go really well together you know we're constantly trying to learn and expand and like figure out what's you know what are we going to do next yeah i think that's one of the main points i don't like about like certain sects of organized religion or, or quote-unquote conservative religion is that there's only this one point that exists and it's the only point and that no other point can exist otherwise you're a monster otherwise you're a you're a terrible person and that we should get rid of you altogether why do you shut yourself off from all these beautiful diverse points of the world and say that only you are allowed to exist yeah it just removes yeah any of that nuance and any ability to learn more or to expand or to admit that you're wrong and, you know, willing to change your mind or anything. It kind of takes all of that away. Would you have any, like, advice or just kind of words of wisdom for an A-spec that's trying to kind of, like, 
get back in touch with their spirituality or religion or kind of trying to like, you know, work out the intersection between those identities? Well, I provided some books in the, some books yeah. in the section to like, if someone wanted to explore that intersection, like I listed other openly queer and Jewish authors who talk about their own individual experiences, um, a number of which come from different points of Judaism. So some identified as reform, some identified as conservative. And so I guess look for the spaces that are open. Look for the people who are scholars and teachers who already come from it, from a background that is able to explore and not shut out. And then try to find similar circles where you can discuss it. Like maybe there are um, queer religious meetup groups that you can talk to. Or maybe there's a person in your ace group who can introduce you to someone who comes from a similar background. Try to come from it as like, here's this thing that like someone tried to tell me was negative about myself. Or maybe here's this thing coming from my own background that someone tried to rip away from me. And then come from an expert perspective, I can explore it on my own terms. Let me see what's good for me. And I can start from there. Yeah, I think that's great advice. And that's great for like discovering your identity and stuff too, <laughs> right? Like it's kind of the same thing of like, some people think that this is a really bad part of me, but you know, you can find people and kind of do your research on your own without the impact of kind of people's weird perceptions of that part of you. Yeah. I think just like growing up as um ace person or growing up as a queer person so many times it's just like people when they don't talk about a certain subject they make it taboo to talk about and it hurts you and it just makes you feel scared of ever saying anything out loud and so I think that's where part of me turned to writing is that even if I can't talk about it vocally I can at least express it on the page or on the screen and then it's like you're freeing yourself in a way so that not everything has to be shut in all the time yeah, and the more absolutely. we and the more we do that, and the more we see other people doing that, you know, the less taboo it becomes, and the more we discuss it, you know, it's it's just gonna open doors for other people, and I think that's all an important aspect of of being a part of this community. Exactly. Yeah. True. True. <laughs> Why did I just true myself? <laughs> it's just like yeah. It's so true. Like, yeah, what what I, said. I said was so true. I love what I just said. <laughs> Hey, you're allowed to like your own words. <laughs> That's true. You know what? That's true. That's true. Have confidence. <laughs> I'm curious, um, like how how long the process of writing took for you? Just because I know like what Sarah and I went through to write, so I'm just kind of curious, like as a fellow, as a fellow writer, fellow published <laughs> author, uh, kind of what your process was like. Yeah, I just want to commiserate. <laughs> I just want to know. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, um, trying to go back to the beginning, I. So once my so once the person who was who looked over the book proposal said, "Okay, I like this. Let's go ahead with this," which was on my birthday, by the way. I, oh my I god! <laughs> what a perfect birthday present, <laughs> right? And then I signed up in the contract towards the end of December, and so from January to like April, I was just like sitting at home and working on the book as much as I could until it had like here's the first full finished draft, and let's work on the editing from there. Because I, I remember, yeah, I remember, <laughs> that so fast. I remember talking to you at New York Comic Con about like books <laughs> and, and stuff. And then when I saw that yours was like, ready to go into the world at like around the same time as ours, I was like, are we slow? Is Michelle no, really yeah, fast? You wrote so much faster than us. <laughs> I 
mean, I'm a writer. I'm you come from it from a podcast perspective. I come from it from a writer's perspective. So yeah. um I had like, some... I'm ready for this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I was just like hungry to like take on any project. And it's also like I okay, so at the time, like I did not have a full-time job. So basically the book was my job. So that's probably why I finished it in yeah. the time that I did. That is still so impressive. And you were able to pull from your previous work, too. I really enjoyed. There's a few chapters where it has a footnote. And it's like, oh, this was previously published as an article of yours. And I just thought it was so cool that you were able to bring in all of the hard work you've done on asexual writing and put it in your book. So you didn't have to, like, rewrite everything. And we got to see, like, oh, yeah, she is an expert. She's been writing about this for a long time. Like, she knows what she's talking about. It's so strange, like, calling myself an expert, having someone else call me an expert. It's just, like, here's this idea I had, or here's this piece that I wrote, and just, like, I'm just basing it off my own experiences. If that resonates with someone else, hallelujah, you know? But That's the same way we felt, too. We were, like, we were like we have to put every... Every um, disclaimer. We did the same thing. We were, like, <laughs> we are not sex educators. We did not go to school for this. We were, like, we're just a couple of podcasters. Like, I think we feel very much the same way of, like... We're just speaking for ourselves. Like, we're not experts. Yeah, it's a very weird position to to be in. Yeah. yeah. But I thought, okay, I, I have written about this, and I am proud of my work, so I want to include it in the book. As you yeah. should. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> as you should, and it's really good. I love it. Amazing. Well, I mean, is there anything else that you would like to say about your book before before we go anything that you'd like to talk about that we haven't what is your favorite part of yeah what's your favorite part of the book book? (laughs) (laughs) oh my god again i don't think i can isolate a single part i mean i'm i'm still amazed that i can hold a physical book in my hands in the first isn't it wild (laughs) it's such a wild experience like you look at it and you're like that's my name on a book And it's like when you tell people, oh, I'm a writer, and they ask, what have you written? And like, okay, like, here's this thing. Here it I- is. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like, I don't know, I think I just like the different parts of like getting to like hire Ashley for the illustrations was like a really cool part because it's like my first time commissioning professional illustrations for a project that I worked on. And so that I would fancy. love to have that experience. <laughs> I would love to have that experience again. Um, talking with the various aces that I did. Um talking with Courtney, with Ellen, um, with all the others is just, they are really amazing people that have opened up their time to me to just like talk about all these intimate parts of their lives and put their trust in me to honor that. And then having them say, Oh my God, I'm so touched by this was like a really, was a really cool experience. And then just like providing just just filling in the sections, I guess, on the information that I lacked as a teenager growing up. Like, what would Michelle of the past, <laughs> of my of my past self, like, would have wanted? What did I not get? And then just, like, trying to say, oh, I am going to write for my younger self so that the younger readers and older readers today can cannot have to do all the work that I did. And so hopefully my book will, I don't know how people will process it, but I hope it comes as a relief. Yeah, definitely. I think it definitely will. Like I said at the beginning, it really is that resource of like, I don't want to have to Google all this stuff myself. I don't want to have to have like this list of links to like go back to and have to sift through like it's all right there and you can hold it. And it's just like has Michelle's name on it. (laughs) 
What more could you so ask good. for? What more would you want? Michelle's name is on it. Well, I would ask for another book. The but that's another story. <laughs> everyone, Jake, everyone call up JKP and say, excuse me. <laughs> hey. Another, please. Hey, you know, Michelle. We need more Ace Books. We love her. We want more. <laughs> we want more. All the Ace Books. Starting a petition. Amazing. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. And thank you for uh, for telling us all about your book. Is there anything aside from your book? Actually, no. Well, first of all, where can the people get your book? This is the most important question. That's a good question. <laughs> well, people can find a book on Jessica Kimley's publisher's website, as well as other sites where you usually buy books, such as Barnes & Noble's and Amazon. So they can definitely look up that book there. Um, I think you can just type in the title and there'll be a few links where to buy it. From. Yeah. Yeah. I'll try to put some of the links in like the show notes of this episode. So yeah. People can go right there. I love it when people like ask us like, hey, is this book available here? And I'm like, you could look it up. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. like, <laughs> people often ask me like, where should I buy it? So it gets like you the most money. And I'm like, no, no, it's all the it same. doesn't matter. <laughs> like, thank you. Thank you. But like, just buy it wherever it's, it all is the same $1 to me. <laughs> They're also buying links on my website, so you can just... Oh, nice. Yeah. So you can just a link. go to michellekirchanskaya.com and, like, look up what we're buying. I will put that in the show notes. Everyone can go. Sounds good. Is there anything else you would like to promote? It can be yourself. It can be your favorite movie. I don't know, you know? <laughs> oh, sure. So to promote myself, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram under michellekirchanskaya1. And I, in addition to being an ace author, as I still can't believe that I am. Published. I'm also a sensitivity reader. So if you're working on a comic, a novel, um, any creative project that involves ace or arrow issues or Jewish issues or possibly Ukrainian, Russian, Slavic cultural issues, like hire me as a resource. Like I'm a, I'm a paid sensitivity reader. So if you want to just like get into the nuances of that topic, I can definitely help you along with that. Hell yeah. Everyone hire Michelle. And just like as a closing note, I hope that any reader who goes out and reads Ace Notes can hopefully find a little bit of themselves within the book. Or if not, they don't find themselves in it, they can give it to someone else who they will. Yeah, absolutely. I think they will. I think they will. All right. Wonderful. Well, Kayla, what's our poll for this week? Have you bought Michelle's book? Have you bought? If not, Ace Notes. Why not? Why? <laughs> yeah. That's the. And also, if you have read it, tell us your thoughts. Yeah. Tell us your favorite part. What's your favorite word in Michelle's book? Favorite word specifically. Mm-hmm. Mine is yeah. fan fiction. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. Hi. All right. Kayla, what is your beef and your juice this week? That's such an excellent question. My juice is that um, my friend Cassis just moved to the city, and it was also her birthday the last city. week. So we threw, <laughs> you know, the city I live in, Boston. Um, Boston. I don't live in Boston. I live in Cambridge. Like I'm a liar. Also, <laughs> is something about me. Anyway, but she lives in Boston. She moved to the city. Anyway, it was also her birthday, so we threw her a disco cowgirl princess sparkle birthday party and everyone dressed up and had the most amazing costumes and it was just a very silly time so that's my juice my beef is i have to go work tomorrow i don't want to do it (laughs) incredible 
I had yeah. thought of a juice and then I for didn't write it down and I forgot it. So my juice oh. is you went you went dancing. Yeah, I went. I did a dancing, and I also ate some good cupcakes. <laughs> That's my juice. Good. Um, my beef is I've said it before on this pod, and I'll say it again. Capitalism. And she'll say it again. Just capitalism. Mm. I just sometimes it, sometimes it really pisses me off. Um, Michelle, what is your beef in your juice this week? Other than general bigotry and anti-Semitism, I mean that—that's yeah, that could be it. <laughs> That'll do that's it. Bad. <laughs> that's it. Um, I guess my beef would be not having enough time in a day to sleep. <sighs> yeah, I yesterday slept for sixteen hours. Like I. I don't brag. No, she no, just said but, she but here's doesn't the thing. sleep, and here's now you're like, thing. oh, I slept 16 hours. No, 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 no. The reason I slept rude. for 16 hours is because I hadn't slept enough the previous week, and so I literally just fell asleep at 6.30 and just did not yeah. wake up. Yeah. So I it feel that. My mind, yeah. My mind's like a computer that takes forever to shut down, and when it does, it's just like, I barely had enough time to, like, before I had to get up and get ready and, like, go through my day, and then the same process happens again and so just i just go through the week sleep deprived yeah i'm sorry for accidentally (laughs) bragging i didn't mean to (laughs) no 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 it's great to like talk about like celebrate your sleep i just want more of it (laughs) um do you have let her sleep (laughs) do you have juice something that uh that's that's good that she would like to talk about okay i'm not sure how many listeners my friends all know that i'm fixated on this topic but i am a very big fan of a few chinese fantasy series right now including one called heaven's initial blessing which i think more than a few ace fans have had ken and the main characters as on the ace spectrum so if you're looking for a very demisexual coded character like maybe you should go ahead and read that one amazing who is it by yeah that sounds excellent uh i can't pronounce the name because it's chinese but um the initials are mxtx all right. I don't want to but- butcher the Chinese name, so just like That's look valid. up Heaven's Blessing by MXCX. That is good. All right. Yes. Amazing. Everyone check that out and check out Michelle's book and buy every book. You can buy ours too, but this week it's, it's about Michelle. It's, it's about Michelle's Michelle. book. It's Michelle. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Fantastic. Uh, we also have a Patreon where you can support us if you want to for some reason. Sarah from the Future will tell you about that. Hey, Sarah from the Future, what's up? Hi, this is Sarah from the Future. I'm recording this on my phone. Why? Don't worry about it. We have two new $5 patrons. They are Claire Olson and Philip Rucker. 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 You, Philip. Thank you. Thank you, Philip and Claire. You're both absolutely delightful. Our $5 patrons, in addition, patrons. Hello? Our other $5 patrons who are promoting this week are Tall Daryl, The Forest Pigeon, The Stubby Tuck, and Vishak. Thank you to all of our lovely $5 patrons. You know what? And our $2 patrons. And all of our patrons. You all rock. Anyway, our $10 patrons who are promoting something this week are Elle Bitter, My Aunt Jeannie, Maggie Capelbo, Martin Chazelle. Wait, I gotta tell you what they're promoting. Wow. You know, we're doing our best. Elle Bitter <laughs> would like to promote the use of tone indicators. My Aunt Jeannie would like to promote Christopher's Haven. Maggie Capelbo would like to promote their puppy Ezra Bean. And Martin Chazelle would like to promote his podcast, Everyone's Special and No One Is. And also Maddie, who would like to promote Gender Euphoria. We also have a new $10 patron. It is Ruby. Thank you, Ruby. Please let us know what you would like to promote. 
Our other $10 patrons are Potato, Purple Haze, Barefoot Backpacker, Saga Storm, The Steve, Zirkle Tail, Arknas, Allison, Benjamin Abara, David Harris, and Derek and Carissa. Our $15 patrons are Andrew Hillam, who would like to promote the Invisible Spectrum podcast, Changeling and Alex the Ace Cat, who would like to- wait, Changeling, did you ever tell me- I thought- did you have a chain- for now? You're promoting starshipchangeling.net. Let me know if you want to change that. Click for Carolina would like to promote Ace of Hearts, Dish Pell, who would like to promote twitch.tv slash Dia, Hector Mario, who would like to promote friends who are supportive, constructive, and help you grow as a better person, John Young. Kezia Root, who would like to promote the people who come into your life just for a small time at right when you need the math, who would like to promote catching up on the podcast after two years, Nathaniel White, who would like to promote NathanielJWhiteDesigns.com, Kayla Zantina, who would like to promote KateMaggotArt.com, and Sarah Jones, who is at Eternal Lolly Everywhere. Our $20 patrons are Sabrina Hawk, Merry Christmas, and Dragonfly, who would like to promote doing your best? Okay, anyway, back to Sarah from the past. Thanks, Sarah from the future. That was so helpful. Um, yeah, wait, what happens next? Love her. She's my favorite version of Sarah. <laughs> um, anyway... Thanks for listening. Thank you again so much, Michelle, for joining us and for writing this book and for putting it out into the world. Everyone buy it, all the places, and follow Michelle, all the places on socials. Link in, in the bio. Link, link will be there. Link in the doobly-doo. The yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, thank you for listening, and tune in next Sunday for more of us in your ears. And until then, take good care of your cows. <laughs>